Welcome to St. Peter's on this 24th Sunday after Pentecost. Today is the last Sunday of Pentecost. Next Sunday, we celebrate Christ the King, and then we enter into Advent. Advent is the beginning of the church year. So the Sunday after Thanksgiving is the first Sunday of Advent. And when I was attending church sporadically, I would usually show up in December because I wanted to get in the mood for Christmas. <laughs> and when I showed up in Advent, they weren't talking about Christmas. There was always these sermons about the end of time and the second coming, and I never understood what that was about. As a matter of fact, I found them a little irritating. It's like, I'm trying to get in the mood for Christmas here, and you're talking about second coming and the end of the world and all this violence and all this stuff. And I never got that until I went to seminary, and people said, well, Advent means, in Latin, to come. And of course, Christmas, we celebrate when Jesus was a baby and came to be with us, God with us. But in the Advent season, in the church year, we look forward to the second coming, when Jesus comes back. It's like, oh. And then I was told, we live in the in-between time, where Jesus came originally, but has not come back again. So it's, we're, we're, we're there, but not yet. So there's all this preaching about the end time. Well, we're starting early this year, because if you heard the gospel, it's all about the end time and the temple being destroyed. And I can picture the disciples on the Mount of Olives looking out over Jerusalem at this temple. And there were huge marble blocks. It was a big structure. I can't imagine how the ancients got these big marble blocks and built this structure. I've seen the, the wailing wall, which is the supporting wall, and the blocks there are enormous. So I can see them sitting there with Jesus and Jesus saying, someday that building will be destroyed. And they must have thought he was nuts. How could that be destroyed? But this gospel may have been written after the temple was in fact destroyed. And I think that they may have thought he was nuts just as we might have thought somebody was nuts had we looked at the Twin Towers and somebody prophetically said, they will be destroyed. And we would look at those buildings and think, how could that ever happen? Just like the disciples looked at the temple thinking, how could that ever happen? But as we all know, eight years ago, the towers were destroyed. And I was there in New York this past week for a charity dinner and went by ground zero. And then St. Paul's Chapel, the Episcopal Church, the tiny little chapel that survived somehow through that devastating destruction. And I was telling people I was going to New York and definitely wanted to make this stop. And I was with some young people earlier in the week who are seekers. They are not churchgoers, but they're seekers. 
And one of them said to me, the reason I don't go to church or I'm not interested in organized religion is because religion is the cause of all the pain and strife in the world. It was religion that caused the Twin Towers to go down. It was religion that caused the Holocaust. It's religion that's causing these wars in the Middle East. It's all about people's religion and who wants to go worship a God that's causing all this violence. Well, obviously that is not my theology and that there are people who are on the extremes that yes, there were extremists who got into those planes and hit the Twin Towers. But what we miss and what doesn't get publicized that doesn't seem to make it out into the consciousness of the seekers in the world is what happened afterwards. I never made it into St. Paul's in my trips to New York after the Twin Towers came down, but I made it in this past week. And what they have done is they've created a shrine to what happens after violence and devastation. And there's images that are profound. There's a priest, an Episcopal priest in his, in his, his clergy shirt, covered with dust and ashes, with a mask on his face, handing a bottled water to a fireman. And little St. Paul's, this little chapel near Ground Zero, threw open their doors, removed their pews. Except for George Washington's pew, they left that one there. <laughs> it's square, and it became the podiatry station. So people who had blisters on their feet sat in George Washington's pew to be ministered to but they took out the pews and they opened up the doors to the world and they reached out in love to all those who needed a place of rest and respite. And today what they have are pictures and they have a cot set up like they had set up and they have the soup pot where they prepared the soup for the people who were working in the ashes. And what was most moving to me were some of the things that people had left in remembrance of their loved ones who had died. There was a shrine of pictures of people who had died. But there were a thousand paper cranes that were made by the survivors of the atomic bomb in Hiroshima and sent to St. Paul's as an expression of peace and love after this horrifying event. A thousand piece cranes made by the survivors of the atomic bomb. And they are there today as a sign of peace, healing, and resurrection. Jesus was a temple. Jesus was crucified and died in a very violent act. But what we know as Christians that came from that is that that love cannot be killed and it cannot die and that somehow it gets raised up and it makes its presence known. It manifests itself. And that does happen today even in the in-between time that the love of God, what, what religion is really about, was this God of love, raises up out of the ashes and manifests itself 
in the ministry and what happens between people in the midst of devastation. And what we learn from this is that God has an alternate vision for the world. God's vision for the world is not destruction. It's not violence. It's not human being against human being. God's vision for the world is one of love and peace and healing. And that what we're going toward, the end time, is not some violent, apoplectic holocaust, but we're going for the alternate vision of the new Jerusalem that comes to earth, and it is on earth as it is in heaven. And that we see parts of this breaking in, and you can see it at St. Paul's Chapel. So eight years after the towers fell, here is this incarnational symbol of what happens out of the ashes. There are still no pews. There are pictures. There's memorabilia. And what they have in the center of this little chapel is an altar with chairs that go around where they worship on Sunday. And it's in the midst of this huge, big city is this symbol of love and healing that was there through the towers burning and crashing around them that is still there today. And for us who live in the in-between time of Jesus coming and Jesus coming again, when we experience violence, when we have times of devastation in our own lives, when things seem to be crashing around us, we can look to each other in this community of hope and love and faith for resurrection, for help, for energy, for strength. And that was the message I tried to communicate to these seekers, that this is what it's about. A group who come together to celebrate the love made manifest on earth through our own hands and feet that we have learned by reading, marking, and inwardly digesting the scriptures that teach us about the love of Jesus. The alternative vision has always existed in the world. At a camp, a death camp, during the Holocaust, they found this inscription scratched into the wood. I believe in the sun even when I can't see it. I believe in love, even when I'm alone. And I believe in God, even when God is silent. <laughs>